Hello, Marilyn Hughes of the Out of Body Travel Foundation. Today, we are in volume four of the Philokalia, Writings of the Desert Fathers. These were the itinerant and mendicant preachers who uh, fled into the desert and lived there to seek out the word of God. So here, this is one of those writers, Nicetas de Thatos. And this is his writing on the inner nature of things and on the purification of the intellect. Love for God begins with detachment from things human and visible. Purification of heart and intellect marks the intermediate stage. For through such purification, the eye of the intellect is spiritually unveiled and we attain knowledge of the kingdom of heaven hidden within us. The final stage is consummated in an irrepressible longing for the supernatural gifts of God and in a natural desire for union with God and for finding one's abode in him. Where there is intense longing for God, noetic labor and participation in the unapproachable light, there, too, the soul's powers will be at peace. The intellect will be purified, and the Holy Trinity will dwell within us. For it is written, he who loves me will fulfill my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and take up our abode in him. That's from John 14, 23. Our teaching recognizes three modes of living, the carnal, the psychic, and the spiritual. Each of these is characterized by its own particular attitude to life, distinctive to itself and dissimilar to that of the others. The carnal mode of life is one wholly devoted to the pleasures and enjoyments of this present life and has nothing to do with the psychic and spiritual modes of life and has uh, does not even have any wish to acquire them. The psychic mode, which is situated on the borderline between evil and virtue, is preoccupied with the care and strengthening of the body and with men's praise. It not only repudiates the labors required for virtue, but also rejects carnal indulgence. It avoids both virtue and vice, but for opposite reasons. Virtue because this requires toil and discipline. Vice because that would entail forfeiting men's praise. The spiritual mode of life, on the other hand, has nothing in common with these two other modes, and on this account is not implicated in the evil that pertains to either. It is entirely free in every way from both the one and the other. Invested with the wings of love and dispassion, it soars above them both, doing nothing that is forbidden and not being hamstrung by evil. Those who pursue the carnal mode of life and in whom the will of the flesh is imperious, who are quite simply carnal, are not able to conform to God's will. Their judgment is eclipsed and they are totally impervious to the rays of divine light. Impervious to it. The engulfing clouds of the passions are like high walls that shut out the resplendence of the spirit and leave them without illumination. 
their soul's senses maimed. They cannot aspire to God's spiritual beauty and see the light of the true life and so transcend the lowliness of visible things. It is as if they had become beasts, conscious only of this world, with the dignity of their intelligence fettered to things sensory and human. They strive only for what is visible and corruptible, on this account fighting among themselves and even sacrificing their lives for such things, avid for wealth, glory, and the pleasures of the flesh, and regarding the lack of any of these things as a disaster. To such people applies the prophetic statement that comes from God's own mouth, from Genesis 6.3. My spirit shall not remain in these men, for they are flesh. Those who pursue the psychic mode of life and are therefore called psychic are like the mentally defected whose limbs do not function properly. They never exert themselves on behalf of virtue or in the practice of God's commandments. And they refrain from acting reprehensibly simply in order to gain the esteem of other people. They are completely under the sway of self-love, nurse of the destructive passions, and they seek out whatever fosters physical health and pleasure. They repudiate all tribulation, effort, and hardship embraced for the sake of virtue, and they cosset our enemy, the body, more than they should. Through such life and behavior, their passion imbued, imbued intellect grows cloddish and becomes impervious to the divine and spiritual realities whereby the soul is plucked from the world of matter and soars into the noetic heaven. This happens to them because they are still possessed by the spirit of matter, love themselves, and choose to do what they themselves want. Void of the Holy Spirit, they have no share in his gifts. As a result, they exhibit no godly fruit, love for God and for their fellow men, no joy in the midst of poverty and tribulation, no peace of soul, no deeply rooted faith, no all-embracing self-control. Neither do they experience compunction, tears, humility, or compassion, but they are altogether filled with conceit and arrogance. Hence, they are totally incapable of plumbing the depths of the spirit, for there is no guiding light in them to open their intellect to the understanding of the scriptures. Indeed, they cannot even endure to hear other people talking about such things. St. Paul was quite, quite right when he said that the psychic man cannot grasp spiritual things. They are folly to him. He is unaware that the law is spiritual and must be discerned spiritually, from Corinthians 2.14. Those who cleave to the spirit however, are totally committed to the spiritual life and they live in accordance with God's will, dedicated to him as were the Nazarites. At all times they labor to purify their soul and to keep the Lord's commandments, expending their blood in their love for him. They purify the flesh through fasts and vigils. They refine the heart's dross with tears they mortify their materialistic tendencies through ascetic hardship. They fill the intellect with light through prayer and meditation, making it translucid. And by renouncing their own wills, they sunder themselves 
from passionate attachment to the body and adheres solely to the spirit. As a result, everyone recognizes them as spiritual and rightly refers to them as such. As they approach the state of dispassion and love, they ascend to the contemplation of the inner essences of created things. And from this, they acquire the knowledge of created being that is bestowed by the hidden wisdom of God and given only to those who have risen above the body's low estate. Thus it is that when they have passed beyond all sensory experience of this world and have entered with an illumined mind into the realms that are above sense perception, their intelligence is enlightened and they utter righteous words from a pure heart in the midst of the church of God and the great congregation of the faithful. For other people, they are salt and light. As the Lord says of them in Matthew 5, 13 through 14. You are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Nicatos Stithatos commences that thought from Psalm 46.10, saying, devote yourselves to stillness and know that I am God. See you next time.